0: So I like the metric against this. How many sales accepted leads did we generate, right? How many sales qualified leads did we generate? Are we on track? Is sales happy with what we're getting? And creating these feedback loops is really critical because every week I'd actually sit down with my sales leaders and the SDRs and I would say, hey, how was those leads? You know, do they turn over? How's that looking as we're going through that? we measure our pipeline, right? Quality matters.
1: The B2B Marketing Exchange brings together B2B marketing and sales practitioners from across the country to get the latest tools and tips they need to succeed. Now, we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. I'm Claudia Tarico And I'm Kelly Lindenau. And this is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. Hey, everyone. Kelly and I are back with another replay from B2B SMX in Boston that happened this past August. It's been so cold here in New Jersey. So all I keep thinking about is the summertime in Boston. It was so lovely. And these flashbacks to our event are actually kind of helping my seasonal depression just a little bit. Yeah. And I'm just thinking about winter in sunny Scottsdale. So I cannot wait for our upcoming B2B marketing exchange. I just, I can't believe the agenda is almost full and we're getting so close to the show. Yeah, it's crazy how quickly time is flying, but I'm so stoked to sip margaritas with the desert sun frying my skin in Arizona. Anyway, moving on. Today's episode stars our good friend Jeff Marco. He's a marketer, a professor, an all-around awesome dude who always puts on a memorable and super informative presentation. In fact, Jeff will be doing a keynote in Arizona this February, so if you like what you hear today, you're definitely going to want to grab a pass to b 2 bmx Absolutely. And shifting things back to b 2 b SMX for Jeff's session, he dove into how marketing can transform to become one of the most strategic elements within the business today and ensure that marketing execution is tied to the right goals and objectives. From understanding your overall business goals to providing go-to-market insights for planning, using tools like reverse funnels and intent data to define the job to be done, and aligning with sales targets to knowing when to push back and say no— This session hits on both strategic and tactical elements to enable you to transform your marketing. This was a really good one, so we're going to stop talking and roll that tape.
0: All right, well, whoa, hey, um, I'm loud. You all are here. I promise there will be lots of stories, hopefully relevant stuff. Challenge me, ask questions. Um, But I can say everything that we're going to touch on in here, I've literally talked with either a Fortune 100 publicly traded company or a small startup or a well-funded startup, and they've all had issues across the spectrum. So hopefully you'll find this actually very relevant. I am a fan of less is more except for pizza and paychecks. Now my slide deck may not totally reflect that, but the principles within it should. So let's dive in because we got a lot to cover. You don't care who I am, so we'll skip through that. All right, how many of you are metriced on MQLs? Only a few hands, okay. Uh, Quick shout outs, how many of you are metriced on opportunities? Couple, all right, about a third. How many of you on close one revenue? All right, even fewer hands. Awesome, cool, good. Just kind of a, a barometer as we're getting started there. But I have a confession to make. I was once a fluffy marketer, just like probably many of you or many of your teams, uh, if they have been back in the day. I worked at Microsoft where we had a bill of materials. I just had to check some boxes and ship that product marketing stuff out. And good luck. I had a team that I took over where we would send you an email nurture, you didn't even have to open it, but if we won that deal, yes, we took credit. And this is the stuff that has hurt our relationship with sales. More and more, the more sellers I talk to and the more of these things I run into that we'll cover today, I understand why sales doesn't like marketing. And I can actually relate to them because we are fluffy, marketers very often. So hopefully when you leave the session, you have one or two nuggets to which you can walk away and be less fluffy than you were when you came in. So let's dive in as we get started on that. So how did I make this shift? And these are the sections we're gonna cover today. We are recording, we're gonna go fast because we got 30 minutes to go. Can we get our timer started too? Thank you. So first, this sounds really obvious and simple. I understood the business goals and objectives. We'll unpack that. I figured out what was that job to be done. And how realistic was that job that I was trying to do? I needed to pivot my metrics. I needed to go from fluffy metrics to things that my sales team actually gave a crap about. I then started enabling my teams to think about the return on effort, not just the return on investment. Because time is our most precious resource in the world. No one gets more of it. We pivoted to Agile. And while Agile means a lot of different things, we'll cover a couple key principles you can apply that aren't all crazy and and gonna send your team into a spiral, because that does happen too. I did it myself when I did that the first time. And last was we pivoted to account-based everything and focused on predictable pipeline. So how did we go through that? This is the journey we're gonna go on as we go through our time today. Uh, Timer's still not running in the front here, so I'll try to watch my watch. But a couple key things as you're going through this. You've got to make sure that your marketing efforts are aligned to the business. Well, no duh, Jeff. That's Captain Obvious, especially after lunch. You'd be amazed how often you're not and how most of your random acts of marketing you get asked to do actually don't align to your business strategy. You have to keep it honest and or keep it real, saying this is what we can actually do or this is what we're limited by and have that conversation with the business regularly. And the last one you have to do is, we're going through all these, is make sure you're constantly aligned to sales. Because when pressures hit, who's the first budget to get cut? Marketing, right? And it's because I can add more sellers and theoretically hit more sales because they don't view marketing as critical. That's the hard reality. This is how we start to pivot that. All right, so we're gonna start going through those points one by one, we're gonna go quick uh, because we do have a lot to cover here. So first, how do I understand the business? This is a framework I love to use. Take your pictures, we're gonna go through it just super quick, but it's called VSEM. The vision, the strategy, the execution, and the metrics in which we're going to measure it. And I did scrub it to protect the innocent of the companies that I did this for. The first is who do we wanna be? What is our company vision? Then what are the strategies that we need to do to accomplish those goals? They can be from operations, They can be from sales, they can be from marketing, right? They can be holistic to your business. What are the pivotal execution components we're going to do to accomplish that strategy? And last, how are we gonna measure that success? Is it in number of new channel partners we signed up? Is it in revenue, right? Is it in maybe we gained an operational efficiency? I recommend every business has one of these that aligns to a three to five year plan as they're going through it. This shouldn't change every six months, right? How many of you have business strategies that pivot? Literally, it feels like every month, every week sometimes. Yeah, that's the startup world, I'm guessing. Hopefully not corporate, but this is a really great way to get kind of everybody on the same page. At a minimum, you should try to do this inside of your marketing department. You can do this without the rest of the group, but ideally the whole company would have one. So we have a framework in which we're thinking about our business strategy, we understand it. If you're at a publicly traded company and you don't listen to your earnings reports, you should, because that's how you start to hear that strategy actually being played out to the market. Understanding this is what will let you stop doing random acts of marketing, we'll touch on that. So, a couple of cautions here. First and foremost, these are typically multi-year strategies. If you are pivoting, you're never gonna get to where you wanna go. There are thoughtful pivots, and then there are the reactionary pivots of just crazy dynamics as you're going through that. The other big piece, when you're doing these kinds of strategy documents, when you're actually mapping these things out, you're spending a lot of time on it, if any of you've ever made a board deck before, then how often does management actually make room to do this work, to follow the strategy? So if you are a manager in this room, Make sure your teams have room to do these things. Secondarily, if you are an IC or running a team or anything like that, ask that question. What are we creating space? What are we not doing to make sure we can focus on the strategy? Because all too often, and you all have probably done this, oh, it's time for the quarterly update on the strategy that we're doing. Let's quick, everybody get in the room for a week, make some updates, and hope we checked a few boxes. And then we'll report out on that, and we'll go back to our day jobs. Anybody relate to that? Yeah, we've all done it. It's because we're not making room to follow an intentional strategy for our business. This is really critical. So when I was at a BPO and contact center software company, Global, part of what this led to was we were looking at this in our geographic expansion. Europe was a key strategic priority for us. APAC, not so much. We were rebooting that market. They were 6% of our revenue target that year. But EMEA, while it was only 15% of our revenue target for that year, was strategic. So we gave it outsized resources. This trickled down. How much time am I letting my team spend on it? How much money am I investing in that region for campaigns? The same time, with Australia, they were our squeaky wheel. They were always asking for more, 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 more. And it was the harsh reality of the business was that that was the business strategy. So then the conversation with the regional leader was, hey, this is the business strategy, let's talk about what we can do, right? Versus having this constant tension with them going on nonstop through that whole time. We were able to then realign ourselves, actually have a healthy relationship because this is with the business strategy. And so it really starts to frame what you're doing when you have these strategies lined out, you know the initiatives against them and you are then able to execute. So number one, make sure you understand the business strategy, where they're going. Because that tees up into defining what I call the job to be done. How many of you have multiple products that you sell? Okay, about half the room. How many of you only have one product? Okay, what are the rest of you just here for fun? (laughs) You sell something, hopefully, as you're going through that. Um, So this is good no matter what. When you have multiple products, it becomes even more critical. Right, products being services, things like that. As you're going through it too, right? We're still selling people's time. So the job to be done, as I like to define it, is really understanding what does the business need to accomplish. So for this product, and sorry, this is an eye chart, right? But you can build this out in Excel and all kinds of crazy things. This was better than the Excel example I had. It was really ugly to show you a real one, but I'm happy to cover that with you. So what we did, I had multiple products. I had five different products, each with a financial target against it. And each of those targets, so then I had to start backing into, okay, each of these are important to the business in our strategy. Because if it wasn't in the strategy, why do I have a target against it? It's a fair question to ask, right? Is this just an add-on? We shouldn't have a target if it's not strategically important to the business or maybe it's one we just hope we'll pull through, but you want to ask that question and understand it. So I like to start at the bare minimum, not just marketing's job, I want to know the business's job. I want to know and say, great, for this product I need to sell this many, or we need this much revenue, right? Here's my average deal price, that means I need to win this many. Then I need to go upstream, right, and keep going upstream through my funnel, and eventually getting to here's how many meetings I need. Then, Backing even further, now we're finally getting to the marketing part. Well, how many of those meetings need to come from marketing? How much of this is coming from existing customers? You start to ask the questions, and now you can say, great, we need a campaign around this targeting existing customers. Customer marketing has a goal here. Or, you know, how much of this do we want to try to influence versus drive ourselves? So I actually start to understand the objectives as you're going through here. Critical watch out point <laughs> as you look at this too along those lines. The first is actually trying to be realistic as we're taking a look at this. If you start to look at the things and you wanna get like your average deal price. Well, I was actually a publicly traded company. I looked in Salesforce and I said, hey, here's our average deal price for this thing. I met with the seller. We were building this reverse funnel together. He's like, yeah, don't, don't show that number. I told the CFO this was our average sales price and here's my thinking behind it. I was like, well, that's fun because you're about three X the data shows. So, I built two models. I built the realistic one and I built what he said and I documented the crap out of that because basically I knew we were going to come up short. Right? And so you want to start to document your assumptions. You want to be looking for things that don't make sense. As you start to get into this, right, these are accounts that we're looking at, not necessarily leads. So how many leads is it taking for you to get to an opportunity? I like to think in terms of marketing qualified accounts. How many accounts do I need to bring into this pipeline to meet our number? Because who buys? An account buys, right? With, if you're in traditional enterprise, we're now up to what, seven to 11 I think is the new number that are around that buying table as you go through that. So I might need a gazillion leads to actually generate a real opportunity, right? very often right we aren't starting at square one you also want to think into especially if you're doing annual planning what's my current pipeline look like how much of the current pipeline do I actually think might close and you can now start to calculate this based on where it is in your salesforce right where it is in your stage what are your conversion rates what are your win rates now you also might be looking to be like jeff my salesforce data sucks anybody have perfect salesforce data cuz you would be like the almighty there i've met no one who has good salesforce data so As you look at that, one thing I like to call out to teams is look at where you're confident in your data. So typically we're confident in our data when we're handing it off. So I like marketing to own SDRs because then I'm confident in the handoff. Sales says this is a great lead and we're gonna work it. So I was confident up to that level. I don't know squat about the rest of the funnel, but I am gonna try to measure it because I want my product marketers looking at that. We're looking at conversion rates, we're looking at velocity, how can we impact that? But then I'm also confident that sales, what are they? Coin operated, they like to get paid, so they're gonna log those wins, heck yes. So I knew that data was good. So we would use that data as our set to start to calculate our numbers as we were going through that. So you wanna look at your current pipeline. Next, you actually wanna understand how much is actually in market to attain this. So Jeff, how in the heck do I start to do that? And I'll hit on be reasonable here as well as we go through that. So. Actually, let's jump ahead a little bit. So, um, I like to start to dig a little bit in sizing up the realities, right? I wanna define this for every product that I have. Now, I will also say one big thing we should be thinking about here is making sure that sales has a quota for this. I was just this week talking with a well-funded private equity company uh, with software, and they are like, yeah, each of these products had a financial target. Well, guess what? Sales. Can sell whatever they want to get to their quota. It's not actually allocated based on how finance wants them to do it. Misalignment of strategy, impacting how marketing wants to go to market. They're trying to help the business reach their strategy, but sales is completely misaligned. I had a cybersecurity client I was working with as we were going through that. And with that cybersecurity client that I had, they were running eight different campaigns for things on their website. I said, Great, which of these is sales metriced on? Two. I said, okay, doesn't make sense, but maybe. I said, okay, so as we're looking at that, I said, do you have a clear path from here to here? Well, no, I can't actually get from this campaign to this thing that salesperson cares about. I'm Like, well, no wonder they're not picking up your leads. They're not paid on them. Hopefully some of you can start to relate because that actually happened again with another hypergrowth, well-funded VC startup I was talking about, the CEO's like, I want to do a campaign on this AI app. And guess what, the sellers weren't compensated on it. Therefore, they hadn't invested their time in sales enablement, there weren't the marketing collateral materials around it, it was just an add-on. Separation. Because we didn't have a documented strategy, you couldn't really push back on the CEO and say, we're taking away these efforts around this, is this a conscious pivot? Or is this a fluffy, random act of marketing that's gonna spin cycles and piss people off and make people leave, right? So I like to define how big is the world. So I'm a big fan of using intent data for a lot of different things. Um, But in this, it's really critical. So I've built my reverse funnel. I know for this product how much I need. And I know my sales cycle time. And I can actually zero in and say, is there enough in market actively right now for us to attain our goal over the next year? Or how short are we? You should be looking at this every quarter. We're about to keep going. How are we tracking against current pipeline, the goal for the year, how much is actively in market? Ideally, you'll know how much is actively in market showing up every week, and you actually have, and we'll hit on this in a little bit later, the predictable pipeline campaigns to activate against. I had just gotten some intent data when I was first standing this up, and my sales team gave me, it was like 10, 15,000 accounts. Here's what we're going after next year, Jeff. It's like, awesome. So I, I built it all out, and built the model and I ran their stuff through our intent program and 11 accounts were showing actively in market. And our sales cycle timeline was nine to 18 months. And I was like, we're not gonna hit the number because there's no way we're gonna sell to these accounts. And so I actually took that to the CFO and the CRO and I said, here's what the data's telling me. Here's a recommended list of accounts that meet our fit profile that I think we should go after. So it's not just sales's opinion. And that was the first year we actually hit our sales target in about five years, because we use data. Now, be reasonable, how much of this do you think you can actually capture, right? You're not gonna capture 100% of that. Every one of those is not gonna turn to an opportunity. Man, I wish that was the case, but do you think you can reasonably capture 40%, 50%? And you start to do this, and based on your sales cycle timeline, you can actually start to zero in and say, hey, all right, so I've got four months here, right? My average sales cycle is four months. Um, I know there's this much in market right now. I'm short X amount in what I need for the year in terms of what my model's showing me. Okay, so I know I need to be doing you know, intent campaigns, right? brand activation campaigns. I need to be doing category creation campaigns, right? all that kind of stuff to manufacture the intent, but I want a different play for those that are actively in market and treat them differently. And you keep this pulse check. You keep looking at this. This is one of my favorite tools for actually when we're doing a campaign. Return on effort, is this the right campaign for us to do strategically, but also based on the results we need to yield? I was working with a big PR software company, and we had to completely change their thinking because what they were wanting to run a campaign on actually had very little to do with their product. And so we actually had to start to jive and tick those two things together, or ask the question, why are we doing this campaign? So again, position yourself to have effective conversations. I also like to look at things like this, where I'm actually measuring the intent across the market over time with different products as I'm going through that. I can see, hey, what's really hot right now? What's not hot right now? Hey, maybe we should be writing content about this. How is our competition doing? And using this as a constant barometer for how is my brand doing? How are we driving, right? are we actually accomplishing our goal with our fit market, with the companies we care about? And so. How realistic is this? Is this topic we're about to go run a major quarterly campaign on still relevant? Right? Those are good questions to ask before you start pulling triggers and developing content because once you start that path, good content takes time. And now all of a sudden you're launching it too late and the market's gone by and it falls flat. And whose fault is it? It's marketing's, right? We've all been there. So we wanted to find that job to be done. We want to compare our intent to the data in market. We want to align on our target accounts. Don't just take that gut list from sales, right? Do some sort of intelligence. At least define, is this a good fit for us and what makes a good fit? You can do that on the back of a napkin. You don't need a fancy tool. There are fancy tools that do it. How much of the active market can we reasonably capture? How much net new on average are we seeing every week? And then you want to measure that pulse. Is that holding steady? Can I expect 10 new accounts every week? Can I expect expect a thousand new accounts every week showing active intent in what I have to sell. And you can then forecast that out. And now I actually understand how to get from where I am today, my current pipeline, active market intent, the delta I need, and what that regular cadence is, and how I'm gonna start brewing that up. Very logical, but you'd be amazed. Very few companies actually think like that. All right, cautions on this one. Document your assumptions, right? Sales cycle timeline, conversion rates, data quality, go where it's best. We talked about that with the Salesforce data as you're going through that. Make sure your targets are aligned to sales. Make sure you're not driving and doing campaigns against something they're not gonna wanna pick up. This is also critical with your SDR, BDR teams. How are they compensated? Are they comped less for marketing leads than they are for self-source leads? If so, you have a problem. Because why would I do that? Why would I follow up with a marketing lead if I get paid less, their coin operated as well. Seen that five, six times in the last six months, right? Or the other fun one, they recreate the lead and make a new opportunity off of something you generate and you get no credit for it. None of this is the behavior the business wants. So call it out, try to see it early. The other big thing, what if it's unattainable? What does that start to look like there? And this is, uh, and you guys will get the slides out of this, but this is why I like to actually back into what's my cost per meeting? as I'm going through that. Well, we need this many meetings. Okay, well, that's a you know, $20 million budget. You're gonna give me that? Well, no, okay, so what needs to be real for us to do that? What is attainable? And that, now you actually have a model in which you actually know your cost per meeting. You've got, it tells you that right in your calculator, and you can actually back in and guide the business appropriately. All right, keeping cruising here as we're going through pivoting with sales. The, what are the metrics that matter? Close one revenue. Churn, if you have a customer marketing function. Pipeline, obviously. And meetings, maybe, depends on your business. But meetings are far better than MQL, right, as you're going through that. MQLs are great to track, you should track them. But they're a leading indicator, they're not a critical business metric. And we have beaten that into our cultures for so long inside of marketing, it was the one thing we could track, but the business doesn't really care. And so we have to retrain the business, and we have to retrain ourselves to rethink that way. Now, some of you are like, Jeff, I completely disagree, but nobody's walked out yet. So there's also power in aligning with this. When I can stand in a room of sellers and say, all of your quotas are mine. My bonus is based on you hitting your number. I want to work with you to hit that number. There is power in that. Because now they know that you're aligned. You're not trying to do some fluffy metric. Let's be honest. We can game MQLs. You give me an MQL number, I can tell you exactly how much money it's gonna cost me to get there with content syndication, right? I know there's content syndication people probably in the room, sorry, but (laughs) I've had that experience. And my dashboards will show that here in a sec. But So I like the metric against this. How many sales accepted leads did we generate, right? How many sales qualified leads did we generate? Are we on track? Is sales happy with what we're getting? And creating these feedback loops is really critical. Because every week, I'd actually sit down with my sales leaders and the SDRs, and I would say, hey, how was those leads? You know, Do they turn over? How is that looking as we're going through that? We'd measure our pipeline as we're going through that, too. Here's that little bit I was saying. Marketing qualified lead, content syndication, number two lead there. That's a lot. Sales qualified leads, it's this little sliver right here. right? Quality matters. And so we actually pivoted a lot away from that, going through that. The next big piece, and I've seen this multiple times recently, is aligning on the demand unit. Who are the people we should be talking to, getting into the conversations, and when do they come in in their buyer's journey? I had one client, their sales team only wanted to sell to C-suite executives, but the deal flow actually showed you started with individual contributors who then brought it forward and carried it through the buying cycle, but sales wouldn't take a lead with them, a meeting. Massive disconnect, again, we're not aligned to strategy, we're not all rowing in the same direction, our vectors are off, we're not pulling the same way. So make sure you've got agreement with this. When do they come in, who should we target? I had one instance with, uh, we were targeting CISOs about halfway through the deal cycle. So we would start doing account based marketing to them at that point. So again, we actually got alignment with sales, who comes in when, who matters. All right, focusing on ROI. Sorry, I'm cruising, guys. I know. Well, I'll be around afterwards. We can talk in depth on that if you've got questions. So I always like to ask the question, what will drive quality pipeline? Right? What are the things that are actually getting us there? And anytime there's a new random act idea, anything like that, against everything else we could do, is this the thing we think will drive the most impact for our business? So I like to look at my intent data. Does it show that and reflect that? Does, I like to look at our sales training. I like to look at their compensation models. Right? Against everything we have, is this the biggest and best thing we should do? And you should be asking this on everything, because when you're actually aligned with the business, effort matters. It's not about checking boxes. It's about what is actually going to move the needle for the business. All right, power of the backlog. How many of you know what a backlog is? Okay, a few hands. So it's a cool principle in Agile. Basically, it's a big laundry list of things that people want from you and that you kind of want to do. I say kind of because you may not actually. This is an example of a backlog. It's really ugly, huh? So what I love about backlogs is it's essentially this concept in Agile where I document everything and it's constantly prioritized, right? Here's all the things I could do. What should I be working on based on business priority right now? And what I love about a backlog in every, if you've got segment marketing, product marketing, everybody should have kind of a centralized one for each of the business goals and strategies. So for my chatbot target, in that product marketer, we had a backlog. Here's all the campaign stuff, the website stuff, the sales enablement stuff we need to do. Here's all the questions that sales, all the assets sales is asking for that we need to do. There's too much to do. So how do I figure it out? Well, we'd actually build a backlog. We'd say yes and be like, yeah, oh yeah, we'll add that to the backlog. It's my favorite thing of saying no without saying no, because I know it's a low priority, but it's still documented and tracked. And so then we'd meet with sales and say, hey, here's what we're working on this sprint. Uh, do you agree, is there something else that should be prioritized separately, differently? They have clear visibility into what's happening, and we have clear visibility into where and how we're spending our time. The power of the backlog is really great, and it also ensures you're constantly dialed into business strategy. That random act of marketing comes in, well, it's gonna push all these other things out by this much, is that more important than this stuff? Nine times out of 10, the answer will be no. And then you just killed that random act of marketing where it went on the backlog, where it lives and will never bubble up to the surface ever again. You can use tools there. Microsoft has a tool, Excel's easy, Asana, Trello, there's lots in that space there. Quick note on competition, is you're looking at this too for your market. Look at LinkedIn Insights, is that company growing? What divisions are they growing in? Who are the newest people who come up? No product marketers look at this stuff, I'm aghast by it. But you want to look at this right in terms of your, of your plans too. Hey, this is what our competition's investing in, what they're looking at, because that should feed into your business strategy. Check out their job board. Again, a little low-hanging fruit on some of these things. Uh, I found out a competitor was about to launch a self-service trial based on what they were hiring for, and we beat them to it because we had a heads up on what was going on. Look at what they're looking at on using your intent data. I can tell you if a competitor's had a cybersecurity attack and they're dealing with it, we want to go after their, their customers right now because I'm monitoring their intent data. What are they researching? All right, last piece here. I got about 60 seconds, so I'll keep it fast. Pivot to ABX. I'm a big fan of this concept of evergreen versus wave campaigns. Evergreens are these always-on campaigns, right? They're showing interest in product A. They're showing interest in product B. I can grab those accounts. I can put them into a specific campaign that has great content that delivers value, and we run that campaign against them. What I call wave campaigns are the seasonal campaigns, product launch, something we want to do seasonally. But now, I've actually reduced what I'm doing. I've actually thought through, hey, for this thing that has a goal against it, I have a campaign that's going to run for the whole year. Now, does that mean the content stays static? No. I've got things that I'm going to feed to it all year long. right? Hey, we're going to do a webinar. Well, which one of these does this align to? Well, it doesn't. Should we do it? Or, yeah, actually, it aligns to this one. Let's tweak it a little bit, and now we can help that. So you can start to really map stuff to this over time as you're going through that. And when you can start to do that, every single one of mine would have a campaign structure like this. There's high fit account. They're showing intent. I'm going to put them into this warm-up campaign with advertising to the demand unit. If they interact with our ads, we kick them to the BDRs. If not, we send them a mailer. And it it was a campaign and messaging strategy for every single thing that had a priority as we went through it there. All right. Last little bit here, across the funnel, how you should be thinking. Not just in terms of top of funnel, right? We want to do that kind of play. High fit, high intent accounts, what we're doing there. How do I help sales through the funnel? Accelerating that, right? I'm aligned to the business. How am I helping with customer marketing, loyalty and retention? How am I helping my accounts expand, right? But are these all aligned to business strategies? Because if they're not, it may not be the time for you to focus on this yet. If the business focus on net new acquisition, focus on that. If churn is an issue, how can we help? Now you're a strategic partner to the organization as you go through that. So with that, we'll jump ahead there to the end. I know we're at the end of our time here. We flew through it really fast. I'm sweating, so if you can't feel that. um, And I'd love to connect with you all after you've got questions.
1: All right, that's a wrap on Jeff. I'm always so drawn to talks that make you think about disrupting the status quo. We honestly have to start thinking outside the box more and more importantly, get rid of all that fluffy marketing and the buzzwords we're also accustomed to. So Jeff really nailed it. That's for sure. And that is a wrap on today's episode of the B2BMX podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us today. And to keep up to date on the latest issues, be sure to subscribe to our pod on your podcast player of choice. All right, with that said, catch us on LinkedIn and Twitter. We don't have a blue check mark because budgets are tight and I'd rather spend $8 on a cup of coffee, but either way, we'd love to hear your thoughts on our episodes as well as get your opinions on what other topics you'd like us to cover. So with that, we'll see you next week.